0: Pray. Father in heaven, we are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people for your own possession that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why we're chosen. That's why we're saved, that we would publish the good news of Jesus and make much of him, Lord, and to... To be able to do that right now, two days before Christmas, is a great honor. So would you come, please, and attend the preaching of your word with power. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We believe in the Holy Spirit in this church. And we pray that you would attend the word in only the ways that you can. Lord, those who need comfort and assurance and help and need you to hang on to them. I pray that that would happen today. And others who need a a sharper word and a word to rattle them awake from slumber, I pray that would happen and everyone would get what they need as the bread of life is broken this morning. So come and do those things, Holy Spirit, in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, we ask it. Amen. This morning we come to the end of our four-week sermon series on the names of Christ, as they are found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and that is where I'll invite you to turn with me right now, Uh, if you haven't already, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. If you wanted to use one of the red Bibles in the seats, that text is on page 573, the red Bibles underneath the seats in front of you, 573. Isaiah, Old Testament prophet, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. We've sung it, haven't we already? Let's hear it one more time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you've had an eye on the the sermon titles each week, if you happen to have grabbed a a preaching calendar downstairs, you may have noticed uh, a subtitle for each message or just even just looking at the sermon notes each week, they're there. I like subtitles. It gives me a chance to say a little bit more about uh, the topic at hand. Three weeks ago, we studied the name Wonderful Counselor, and that name brought us into the mind of Jesus Christ. He's our Wonderful Counselor, so it's the mind of Jesus that we studied three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we considered the name Mighty God, and that name took us to the hands of Jesus Christ. His mighty, wonder-working, all-powerful hands. And then last week, we that Jesus is actually known as the Father. The Son is an everlasting Father, the text says. That's the third throne name that we pondered. And it's that name that brings us straight to the heart of Jesus Christ as everlasting Father. At heart, Jesus is a warm, sturdy, tender, tough, compassionate, thoughtful, resourceful provider for his family. He's a good Father to be trusted As he multiplied the loaves and fishes. We saw that last week. That's the heart of Jesus, his everlasting father. This this morning, though, we're going to contemplate that last name. The last throne name is Prince of Peace. And it's this name, Prince of Peace, that's going to take us to the feet of Jesus Christ. When I think about the feet of Jesus Christ, I'm not just thinking about our position before him, although that is certainly true We do sit at Jesus' feet as his followers. We worship at his feet. That's appropriate. When I speak of the feet of Jesus, I'm not really thinking about our posture toward him, as appropriate as that is. I'm thinking more about the ancient and biblical image of a a dispatched runner, a messenger that would leave the front line of battle as the battle was ending in order to run home to the city to proclaim that the battle was in hand and that the war was over. The nation of Israel certainly experienced their fair share of defeat in battle. That's true. But they also knew the joy and the rush of victory. Isaiah 52, verses 7 and 8, describes the scene. These will be familiar words to you, perhaps. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him, Who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they they see the return of the Lord to Zion. So picture the scene now. The the watchmen that are responsible for the city city of Jerusalem, they're all lined up on the wall. And they're waiting for the messenger to come. And off in the distance, they see a runner. He's on foot, and as soon as he is within earshot, he begins to cry out, Peace! I have good news! Salvation! Your God reigns! And then the watchmen on the wall start to join in in the chorus of voices. They explode into praise, realizing that victory is at hand. Peace has come. That's why Isaiah 52 talks about the feet. The feet of such a messenger bringing peace like that would be quite welcome. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who publishes peace. And Jesus Christ is such a messenger. He's not just a messenger, he's actually royalty. He's a a running prince. He's a prince of peace on foot to come and bring us the good news of glad tidings. So in the birth of the baby, we celebrate this Christmas. God gave us the gift of the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. The word peace here in Isaiah 9-6 is a Hebrew word that would be familiar to many here. It's the word shalom. The Prince of Peace. The Christ is the Prince of Shalom. Shalom. But we need to know that when the Bible, especially the Old Testament, uses the word peace, it means something quite a bit more full-orbed and deep than we're usually used to talking about when we speak of peace. I don't know about you, but when I think about peace, I mainly just think of the the absence of hostility in a nation. A nation at peace is a nation not at war. And that is certainly uh, the case with this word, although it's more. Uh, The Old Testament does use the word shalom in this way. Leviticus 26, 5 and 6, the Lord says to Israel, You shall dwell in your land securely. I will give shalom, peace in the land. None shall make you afraid. The sword shall not go through your land. So peace definitely means the absence of hostility, national security, in other words. But the Old Testament concept of peace also pointed to goodwill between brothers conflict resolution among God's people. Shalom could speak of the healing of breaches or conflicts. So Exodus 4 verse 18, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, encourages him to return home and he tells him to return to his homeland in peace, in shalom, as a peacemaker. It's definitely the sense of the word here because some of Moses' own brothers hated him with a passion. That's why he left to go to Midian. Moses sought relational shalom. Do you need any relational shalom in your family this holiday season? Now this word peace in the Old Testament isn't just relational, it's also personal. It has personal dimensions to it. Freedom from, here's what shalom is personally. It's freedom from anxiety, worry, freedom from fear. So it's not just relational. It's freedom from personal distress. How many of you could use some of that this season? Isaiah 26.3 says of the Lord, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's one of Dave Brickley's favorite verses, isn't it? Isaiah 26.3. That's actually, Lord willing, going to go on the, the wall as you leave the fellowship hall in the days ahead. We're going to have that painted in the fellowship hall. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. It's interesting that this word shalom appears in Isaiah 26.3, not once, but Twice. Our English translations obscure it, but um, Jews didn't have as many ways as we do in English of expressing superlatives. And so when they wanted to emphasize something, they wouldn't say it once, they'd just say it twice. If they really wanted to emphasize it, they'd say it three times. So here in Isaiah 26, 3, it reads this way You keep him in shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you. Peace, peace. Perfect peace. Isn't that great? So peace to the Jews in the Old Testament. It means national security. It means reconciliation, conflict resolution with family, with brothers and sisters and the people of God. And it means personal equilibrium and well-being, fearlessness, leaning on the everlasting arms. And as if that weren't desirable enough, there's an even more broader way that the Old Testament talks about shalom. It's speaks of peace in the ultimate sense. The greatest peace that a person on the earth can possibly know. Right relationship with your creator by grace through faith in his Messiah, in his son. So I give you these words. I leave them with you every Sunday almost. They're from the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom. Peace. Peace. And that peace looks forward to the great new covenant promise of Christ. And so when Isaiah 9, 6 is talking, he's thinking a lot like his friend Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, 25, and 26, where Ezekiel says of the Christ, David, my servant, shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of shalom, of peace with them. And then one more verse. The prophet Zechariah speaks a prophecy that Jesus picks up and applies to himself on the first Palm Sunday. Zechariah 9, 9, and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, On the colt, the foal of the donkey, he shall speak peace to the nations. And his rule shall be from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. So peace, shalom. That's a little biblical theology of of shalom. Peace comes from God through Christ to anyone, anywhere, who will receive it with the empty hands of faith. Isn't that good news? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So you know the next question. You can smell it coming. Do you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace? Do you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace? This morning I'd like to offer three biblical steps that will either confirm or deny that you know Jesus as your Prince of Peace. This is relevant to those who are wondering where God might be in their lives and what it looks like to be in right relationship to him. It would certainly be relevant to you. But it's also relevant to all of us who have walked with the Prince of Peace for some time. We don't want to be deceived. Test yourself and see if you are of the faith. Is Jesus your Prince of Peace? Each one of these points, these questions is rooted in the writings of the Apostle John. They're drawn from his gospel. They're drawn from his letters. They're also drawn from the book of Revelation, each of them written by John. Do you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace? I hope you will entertain the question this Christmas. This Christmas, amid all of the gifts that you will receive, ask yourself if you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace. So if you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace, you will, number one, Reject worldly versions of peace with God and others. If you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace, you will reject worldly versions of peace with God and others. Speaking on the Lord's behalf, Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 6.16, They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, Peace! Peace! Peace where there is no peace. That's the way our world offers peace today. Like a Hello Kitty Band-Aid on a brain hemorrhage. The world offers peace. It does what it can to offer us peace. Worldly versions of peace, while silly, are also popular. And actually very hard to resist. The allure is attractive. The world offers peace that is quick and easy and cheap and shallow and simple. And the reason why it's hard to resist when it comes to peace is that we don't want peace to take too long. We don't want to have to work at it. We'd rather not spend any money on it. We don't want to go deep into it. We'd prefer not to think too hard about it. Worldly versions of peace abound. Consider the terms of peace offered in the song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I'm going to sing this, and then I'm going to say it. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. When it's to the tune, it sort of gets in there like a stealth bomber, and you go, yeah, yeah. Let me just say it again. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Here's a promise. From now on, your troubles will be out of sight. Really. Tell it in Newtown, Connecticut. Really. The world's peace is a wish at best and demonic deception at worst. This is where we need the Prince of Peace. Listen to the words of Jesus to his disciples in John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do I give to you? Hmm. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. It's the Greek version of the Hebrew word shalom. Peace I leave with you. The word leave there has the sense of bequeath, uh, to bestow upon someone. To confer on someone or to hand down to someone. it's actually the language of a last will and testament. Jesus is drawing up his will in the upper room with his disciples. That makes perfect sense for it happened on Monday, Thursday and Good Friday's coming. My peace, I bequeath to you. I leave to you. In one of Matthew Henry's more poetic moments in his commentary on John's Gospel, Henry writes When Christ was about to leave the world, he made his will. His soul he committed to his father. His body he bequeathed to Joseph to be decently interred. His clothes fell to the soldiers. His mother he left to the care of John. But what would he leave to his poor disciples? who had left everything to follow him. Silver and gold, he had none. But he left that which is infinitely better, his peace. Shalom. Peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. The world can't give you this peace. Doesn't stop it from trying, but it just doesn't have the resources. To the mountain of your sin and suffering this season, you know what the world says? It's gonna be okay. It's not that bad. The answers are within. Bigger government, that's the answer. Smaller government, that's, that's the answer. No government. The answers are in this set of self-help audio CDs and for 1995 you too can know peace. To seek refuge in the world for your problems is like buying passage to the Titanic. Don't fall for it. Jesus is the prince of peace and to receive the real thing you're going to have to reject the placebo. Jesus will not share his throne with anyone, but from his throne, as Prince of Peace, he offers shalom. If you receive Jesus as your Prince of Peace, you will reject worldly uh, versions of peace with God and others. And the second step is obvious, but let me say it in the interest of clarity. Number two, receive the peace that only Christ offers. Receive the peace that only Christ offers. Now listen now to the rest of John 14, 27. And with that, we'll hear the last verse in chapter 16. John 16, 33. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And now John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So in these verses, again, uh, notice Jesus is setting himself at odds with the world. He's the one making the dichotomy here. So not for a nanosecond does Jesus take the edge off the reality of the world's inability to provide peace. He says, not as the world gives. In this world, you will have tribulation. I've overcome the world, the world just doesn't have the goods when it comes to peace. Jesus is quite clear on that, and he warns us of it. However, he says, Take heart, I have overcome the world. How does he overcome the world? He overcomes the world by dying for it. That's why the world can't offer you peace. The world never died for your sins. Hebrews 2:9 Jesus it says that Jesus is crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone Hebrews 2:14 says that Jesus died so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil Jesus preached and purchased peace he purchased it with his very blood and through that sacrifice, you can know peace with your creator. Romans 5.1 confirms it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or in Ephesians 2.13, it locates the cross as the source of that peace. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace. That's the gospel. That's the good news. But you'll notice with the gospel, it's not a, a blanket piece that covers the world indiscriminately. If you do not seek peace in Jesus and receive it by faith, you'll never know it. I did not understand this growing up. I didn't. I pawned the responsibility off on no one else. It was my error as a little boy sitting in church every Sunday reciting the creeds of the church. But I heard the words of the gospel in the ancient creeds re recited. I just didn't understand the conditionality of them. There's conditionality here in John 16, 33. Do you have it open? You'd be blind not to see it. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace you may have it it's an offer it's not a foregone conclusion on earth peace among those with whom his favor rests is what the angel said to the shepherds you must receive jesus as your prince of peace john 112 but to all who did receive him to those who believed in his name guess what happened prior to that He gave the right to become children of God. So I offer you terms of peace this morning. Jesus uh, Jesus is holding out the offer even now. His peace I extend to you, not as the world gives, but as God gives through Christ. The peace of forgiveness with God, adoption into his family, Right legal standing with the judge of the universe, new life in Christ, citizenship in heaven. This is a gift that this Christmas you cannot afford to pass up. Come to Christ. Put your faith in Him today. If you're not walking in faith, today is the day of salvation. If you receive Jesus as your prince of peace, you will. You will have to reject worldly visions, worldly versions of peace with God and others, and you receive the peace that only Christ offers. And then one more application to see if you're in, and for all of us who believe that we are in, application three, extend the peace of God in Christ toward others. Here's where the wheels hit the road. Extend the peace of God in Christ toward others. In chapter 20 of John's gospel, in verse 19, in verse 21, and verse 26, Jesus offers a a greeting, and it's also a benediction on his followers. And it's the benediction of peace. He secures peace by his death and resurrection, so he walks in the door... To the house that was locked and offers peace to them. He offers peace in their fear, peace to accompany them in their mission, and peace to comfort them in their doubts. You know, he says, Peace be to you, even as Thomas is touching his side and touching the nail prints in his hands. He says, Thomas, peace to you. We need that as believers. John was clearly impacted by this, I think. We see it because of what he writes in his letters. In 2 John 3, we read, he says, Peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. Or he finishes his third epistle, 3 John, verse 15. He writes, Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each one by name. Or in Revelation 1-4, he's writing to churches now, brothers and sisters. Revelation 1-4, he says to the seven churches of Asia, peace from him who is, and who was, and who is to come. If John had come to know anything in his years of walking with Jesus, he had come to know him as the bearer of peace, the one with beautiful feet. John rejected worldly versions of peace. He received the peace that only Christ offers And it was his life's mission to extend that to people wherever he went. He had beautiful feet. Toward other believers, John offered edifying speech that built up. And he worked hard at conflict resolution. You see it in his letters. Certainly toward believers. And toward unbelievers, John brought good news of amnesty. In this world, we will experience trouble. But John bid people to be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world. So do you have the feet of John this morning? The feet of Jesus? You know, there's shoes that come with these kinds of feet. Paul says in Ephesians 6, you can have shoes for your feet. Put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I heard Tony Evans say one time, if you guys know Tony Evans, large... African-American preacher down in Texas. He said, are you sharing the gospel with your friends and neighbors? Check your shoes. Check your shoes. Hmm. You have your shoes on as you head into family gatherings this season. Did you know that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved? Every one of them. But how are they to believe in whom they've never heard? How are they to hear without you preaching? How are you to preach unless you're sent? Consider yourself sent this morning. So go this Christmas season. Extend the peace of God in Christ toward others. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us to follow Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And he will make us become fishers of men. Father, I ask that you would grant, first of all, peace to to everyone in this sanctuary, Lord. Anyone within the sound of my voice, I pray that none would walk away after the benediction without being in right relationship with you by grace through faith in your Son, Father. Grant sorrow over sin that only you can. Grant the gift of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Hold out your son, Father, as Prince of Peace. Draw people to Jesus. And I pray, Father, that as many as who have received Christ, that we would truly walk in him, that we would be at pains to be at peace with family, with brothers and sisters in this church, I pray, Lord, that as we have the opportunity and we likely will, many of us have the opportunity to rub shoulders with lost friends and neighbors and family members and co-workers and classmates, Lord, I pray that we would be quick to bring the glad tidings of peace. I pray that we would give peace out of the abundance of our peace. I pray that we would check our shoes and see if we have feet shod with the gospel of peace. Lord, open up doors for this congregation. Grant that we may be faithful to preach the good news of the Prince of Peace. We pray in his name. Amen.